Before we get going, I wanted to quickly apologize for what might be poor sound quality uh, once we get started. Uh, Sue was away today. I tried to contact her through Zoom. It wouldn't allow me to use my usual fancy microphone, which I'm using now. So the sound quality may not be as good as you expect it, but it could be okay because Buzzsprout, which is the platform that hosts our podcast, actually cleans up the sound pretty well. However, in case it isn't top-notch, that's the reason why. Enjoy the podcast. Aren't computers terrific? They're wonderful when they work, and they're worse than useless when they don't. I'm saying this because it's taken me about an hour to connect with Sue Williams, who is, where are you, Sue? Um, I'm in Lithgow, <laughs> just a couple of hours west of Sydney, so it shouldn't be that hard, should it, really? No, we could probably do it with a couple of tin cans and a piece of string. Um, <laughs> but no, we have to use Zoom, which uh, has this playfulness about it, which every time you log into it, it changes settings, and uh, so you have to start from scratch. So we're going to talk about a bit of a rental crisis in Victoria, which has been exposed this week. And for Victorians who are sick of renting, well, they could always go and buy in Queensland, couldn't they? Well, yes, they could. Yes, they could. (laughs) But it's not terribly cheap anymore in Queensland, sadly. But lots of Victorians are going there. All right. And we will have a fairly exotic uh, lock up and leave in Europe this week. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the flat chat column for the Australian Financial Review. And I'm Sue Williams, and I write about property for Domain and the Sydney Morning Herald and Age and AFR. And this is the flat chat wrap. Rental crisis in Victoria. Now, we had Angus Abadie from uh, New South Wales Customer Services, is it? Yeah, Uh, fair trading, that kind of area, saying uh, a couple of weeks ago on this podcast that Victoria, in terms of identifying and dealing with defects in apartment blocks, is about five years behind Sydney or New South Wales generally. Is that starting to... Is that starting to surface, do you think, in a report that you found? Now, now who's the report from? Um, The report was from the Consumer Policy Research Centre, and they did it together with Tenants Victoria. And this was about poor renters, you know, Renters obviously are paying huge rents at the moment all around the country because there's such a crippling shortage of housing. And this survey, they had lots of undercover people went out and they were kind of posing as potential renters. And they inspected 100 rental properties in outer Melbourne and Bendigo. And they wanted to test how they fared under the state's minimum rental standards last year. And a majority of the homes seemed to meet the standards but about a third of them, which is a huge number, didn't yeah. meet the minimum standards. Isn't that, that terrible? For yeah, people it, paying huge rents and the places they're living in just aren't up to scratch. Yeah, I mean, there was a story on the radio about a woman whose ceiling fell in and basically she thought that the landlord would automatically find her somewhere else or give her compensation, like reduce her rent while the ceiling was being fixed and discovered that, no, there's nothing automatic about it. You have to go to the tribunal and say, 
can I get my rent reduced? And uh, Oh, wow. Yeah. So you're living without a, a ceiling. Yeah. And the story goes on. It's on the ABC radio website. But the story goes on to say that the landlord's agent, you know, came in and did uh, make it made it safe and did running repairs and things. But you don't want that going on in your house when you're there. I mean, and, and when no. ceilings, I don't know if you've ever been in a in a, a room or, a, or a, a house or a flat where the ceiling has come down. It's disgusting. I mean, it really is. What What is lurking above our heads is horrendous. It just... In terms know, of dirt and... Yeah. Years dust. and years of accumulated dirt and dead insects and it's just not at all nice because i know when whenever there's kind of um when fire alarms go off you know when the sprinkler system turns on and um yeah and if ceilings get damaged that can cause incredible damage because of exactly that you know water might pour in through the ceiling and it's black water just carrying the fungus of many, many years. years and years, yeah. coincidentally, we were both watching that fabulous TV drama, The Bear, last night. I was and the guy had say a broom. That. <laughs> oh, okay. And the guy had a broom. Well, you tell the story, Jimmy. He basically said that if there was mold in this room, the ceiling would have collapsed by now. And he tapped the ceiling and it proceeded to pour decades worth of filth <laughs> on top of his head it's sorry if that spoiled it for anyone but it's worth watching um this yeah so this this survey found that more than a quarter of the homes that they inspected well it wasn't a survey they actually went out round and inspected them more than a quarter of the homes had maintenance issues including visible mold which is the mold you were talking about in nine of them and I mean, mold, as you know, is really toxic and it can do incredible damage to people's health, mm. especially black mold. Yeah. And it's really difficult to get rid of as well. And, and we know so many landlords, when they do discover mold, tend to paint over it. My niece yeah. is in a rented house and that's um, had many coats of paint over the mold over the years. Yeah. And you do, do just worry about people's health. Um, 15 of the houses they looked at, um, and this is only out of 100, had failed heating um, systems. Wow. 26 didn't have um, the right smoke alarm placements, and 10 had no window coverings or curtains. So people were having to live out their lives in the full view of everybody else, which is really awful, isn't it? Absolutely yeah, it awful. And, and there's another aspect to this, which is um, since they changed the rental laws in Victoria to make them more um friendlier to tenants there's been a lot more applications to the tribunal vcat and apparently Mm. last year vcat was absolutely swamped so if you do have a problem with your tenancy the chances of it being heard quickly are are seriously reduced now Mm. having said that the victorian government they had this thing called the dispute resolution center okay which is kind of like, a bit like a fair trading's mediation service. So it's a free service. You're in dispute with your landlord or your neighbor or whatever. You can go along and they'll try and resolve it or help you to resolve it. Now, they brought that in to help deal with the backlog of work that the tribunal was facing. And then this strange thing happened. They closed it down on December the 30th last year and opened it up again on January 29th. Or something like that. Wow. Basically, it's it sounds like they'd gone, This we are not coping. We are just not coping with disputes the way we should. We need to fix it. We, and, and it sounds like they just stopped it for a month, upgraded their phones, their computers or whatever, trained their people up, and then said, okay, right, 
beginning of February, off we go. We're ready to go again. So it will oh, be interesting. Be yeah. It'll be interesting to see if it, that makes a big difference because sometimes these uh, these help centres, they're a bit like when they, there's too much traffic and they build a new road and that attracts more traffic. So it never mm. actually solves the problem. Sure. Um, but then again, help is really needed because I think everybody knows that tenants tend to be really quite nervous of complaining and, re- and reporting difficulties because they're really scared, particularly in, in the environment now, that mm. they might be kicked out of their rental as a result. Yeah, um, and many people, Yeah, many people are putting up with sub-minimal conditions in order to stay in their rental accommodation and also in fear that their rent might go up again. And, yeah. uh, to, and it's pretty unaffordable as it is. And it was interesting. We were talking to somebody and, and somebody, I think it was from Tenants Victoria, said, well, maybe – if you have an investment property and you want to be a landlord, you should actually have to apply for a license. Huh. Um, and on that license, you know, you, you should be qualified to say, I will always fix stuff that needs to be fixed or fix it myself or get getting a proper tradesperson. So you're actually a right and proper person to to own a property to to let it out to someone because you are earning quite a bit off of it. And if you're not earning enough off of it, you're getting negative gearing. So maybe among those rights and responsibilities, we should have something legislated as well. Yeah, but who's going to police it? And that's the real issue, I think. Um, You have a complaint Mm. in tenancy, you have a complaint in your strata scheme, you have a complaint with your your developer, you Mm. are expected to go and hire a lawyer to come and argue your case. Um, Mm. And the same applies in tenancy. You are expected to to apply to the tribunal to get them to enforce the law. Why don't But then if they if they risk losing their license and then they might not be able to to have another uh, you know an apartment again to let out for a while. Yeah. While they're on probation. I think it's a, a much more simpler system would be to say, look, there is an agency here that you can go to that will investigate your claim and will yes, and of course. issue fines and let the landlord go to the tribunal to have the fine repaid. If they yeah, repaid, yeah, if they feel it's unfair. Fairly. Yep. Put the onus on the people. Which is the same as the money. Yeah, well, well which, that's the same as, you know, the thing with um pets now in Victoria, landlords now have to accept pets and they have, if there is a problem with pets, they have to go to a tribunal, I think, and yeah. argue why they don't want to accept pets. Yeah. So yes, that, that kind of puts the, the boot on another foot, doesn't it really? Yeah. And I think there's only been two or three cases that have been heard at the tribunal um, from landlords demanding the right to refuse the pets. And I think none of them have prevailed. Mm. It's just people yep. feel entitled. This is my property. I can do what I want with it. And then it turns out, well, if you're getting somebody to pay to live in your property, it's not 100% yours anymore. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. But, you know, this whole question, I keep waiting for, I mean, our experience in New South Wales with building defect, we've seen them over the years and they, and partly because people, people like us, were not prepared to sit in silence and we're not prepared to pass on our problems to the next person who bought the apartment. Gradually, it's become more apparent that there are huge numbers of serious defects in buildings in New South Wales. Mm. I find it hard to believe that there isn't the same issues in Victoria, but we just don't hear about them. Yep, absolutely. And you know, well, hopefully, with New South, New South Wales getting this more sorted out now, hopefully, with um, you know the New South Wales Building Commissioner and other states actually looking at the, the Building Commissioner model, 
people in New South Wales and thinking about doing something similar, hopefully the, the situation will be a lot better in future. Well, yeah, I think it's got to get worse before it gets better. And I mean, one of the problems there quite clearly is that the the government doesn't want to know and the media is not interested, particularly in exposing it. The strata management schemes in Victoria, I mean, the recently retired president of the Strata Community Association in Victoria, Julie McLean, famously said that all you needed to be a strata manager in Victoria was a heartbeat and a mobile phone. Um, (laughs) And she is a strata manager, but she was despairing Mm. of the fact that it's so easy for underqualified or undertrained people just to register as strata managers and then kind of make it up as they go along. Mm, Absolutely. And and they would find out very quickly that if they tend to favour developers over owners and tenants, they're going to get along fine in making money and issuing Schedule B fees and things like that. So I think we've got to keep an eye on Victoria. Things are going Mm. to change there, I think it's safe to say. Mm. Yeah. When we come back, we're offering an escape route for Victorians who want to get out before it all falls apart. That's after this. So, Sue, you are always keeping an eye on the property market, part of your job. Mm. And Mm. you've got some exciting news for what's happening in Queensland. Oh, well, it's exciting for some, but not exciting for others. (laughs) It's not exciting for tenants in Brisbane. They're having a really, really tough time Mm. because the vacancy rate in Brisbane is really low. Right. And also rents are pretty high as well. But for anybody looking to invest in an apartment, Brisbane is the city to invest in, really, because apartments aren't as expensive as they are, say, in Sydney and some other places around the country, like Bay, But they are, the price is growing quite strongly, you know, for investors, which is good news for investors. And a lot of that is because of the all the infrastructure, investment in infrastructure that's happening in the run-up to the 2032 Olympics. Right. Um, which is going to be happening in Brisbane. Right. And, um, yeah, they've had a, in units, I mean, for investors, they've had a 16.7% rise in rents a year. Wow. That's incredible, isn't it? And that dwarfs even the rise in rents for houses, which is just 9.1%, which is still pretty high. Yeah. So really, if you are an investor and you want to buy an apartment, go to Brisbane, really, and buy buy one there. Yep. Um, prices are, are strong, and but the returns are incredibly good in terms of both capital values and uh, rental yields. Yeah, it's interesting. And I think the population in Brisbane is growing quite strongly. And that, that started off during COVID when lots of people went over there from other states. Um, but it's continued, really. I mean, it's, it's population growth rate is 2.3% at the moment, which is over double that of Melbourne and more than three times the growth in Sydney. And yet it's only got half the population. It's incredible, really. I would just caution people about buying apartments, in, especially in the holiday areas of Brisbane and Gold Coast, places like that, because this is where that whole rot of pre-sale of management, right? You know, you buy into a building and you know, if you were buying into a building in New South Wales or Victoria, and you looked at the the figures and thought, oh, the, these guys are overpaying for their their building managers, um, you think, well, you know, the next 
when the building management contract's up in three years, we'll get rid of them, get somebody else in. Mm, mm. You're buying in, into a building in, in uh, Queensland, you could be buying into a 25-year contract that you cannot get out of. And- Absolutely. And I think that's a caution that's particularly strong for, say, the Gold Coast, which is a big holiday area. Not so much in the city of Brisbane, I wouldn't have thought, really. Well, yeah. I mean, look, developers are going along to their local council and saying, um, we want to build a block of holiday units, okay? And councils in Queensland are notoriously friendly towards anything to do with holiday lets. And so they, and by saying it's going to be holiday rentals, they can get the 25-year management contract. Uh, otherwise, mm-hmm. if it was residential, it would be 10 years maximum, which is still too much. And they the developer then sells that contract to a company. And these uh, pre-sale contracts, the, you want to take a guess at how much pre-sale contracts or the trade, the trade in pre-sale, pre-sold management contracts, you want to take a guess at how much it's worth nationally in, in Australia? A like year? A, thing, a figure, uh, yeah. $2 billion. 8.4. <laughs> Billion? Billion. Oh, so, my God. I thought I was being ridiculous saying $2 billion. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's horrendous, isn't it? And you can see why it's so difficult for people who want to get it changed. I mean, even the Strata Community Australia, the Strata managers in Queensland, who are notoriously conservative or have been in the past, they are now campaigning to get this changed. But what's stacked up against them is that the banks, the developers are making money for nothing, right? It doesn't cost them anything. to not sell the management contracts or it doesn't cost them anything to sell the management contracts and they don't want to give it up. The banks mm. don't want them to give it up because they lend the people the money that they borrow to to buy the management contracts. The people who end up paying at the end of the day are the people in the apartment blocks who are not only paying, let's assume, reasonable fees for the management of their building, but they're also paying a premium to cover the cost of the loan of the, the person who bought the management rights. It's just such a scandal, not allowed anywhere else in Australia, only Mm. Queensland. And that's Mm. partly because of the history of apartments in Queensland were originally built to accommodate tourists, basically. Yeah, you know, people doing it on a almost a timeshare thing, you know, where they would they would go and stay in the their apartment in, in the Gold Coast for three or four weeks a year and then let it out to tourists for the rest of the time. And this was this predates Airbnb, um, mm. and that was how the system was set up. And uh, to some extent, there's logic in saying, well, you've got to have a manager in there to manage all this because most of the people aren't there most of the time. Um, yep. But now it's such an anachronism, and they don't mm. know what to do about it. They know they should do it, something about it. I think a lot of politicians in Queensland would like to do something about it, but they are they're stuck with it. They can't do anything. And meanwhile, yeah. the... The caretaker managers are running around buying and selling contracts worth $8.4 billion. Wow. And proudly <gasps> boasting that, by the way. That's where mm. I got the figure from. It was from their website going, hey, we've reached $8.4 billion in trade this year. <laughs> oh, no. oh, God. They're shameless. Okay. Utterly shameless. Okay, we've trashed Queensland. We've trashed Victoria. Time for something a bit more positive. When we come back. This week's Lock Up and Leave will take us to Italy. I feel like we should have some accordion music there, but never mind. (laughs) That's after this. 
And we're back. Our lock up and leave is well, it's a bit misleading because <laughs> uh, we were talking about Sorrento. And Sue, so you mentioned mm. there's a film set in Sorrento, which is called Yes, Hotel Sorrento. Hotel Sorrento, which is based and you on... pointed out, Jimmy. Yes, <laughs> that that's actually set in the Mornington Peninsula in yes. Victoria. Yes, it's a famous <laughs> it's a famous Australian play um, about I think three sisters uh, who uh, the they, I think the Hotel Sorrento is the restaurant or cafe or something that they have. No, but this is real. This is the original Sorrento in Italy. Mm. which is at the Bay of Naples and near Mount Vesuvius. Uh, oh, great. Yeah, which means it's also about an so hour's near Pompeii. Drive. It's less than an hour's drive from Pompeii, which mm. is, of course, the Roman city that was buried when Vesuvius erupted a couple of thousand years ago. But they, the, Vesuvius is the only active volcano on the European mainland, um, and it still rumbles away. Oh, wow. Wow. Occasionally sets out a little puff of smoke just to keep everyone on their toes. But that part of Italy <laughs> is just gorgeous, just stunning. Absolutely. So what, what where's the trip what's the trip do? Well, the How trip, long is it for? Okay. Um it's near the Sorrentine Peninsula and the Amalfi Coast. Um it's a, it's a hotel called the Grand Hotel La Pace Sorrento. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. L A P A C E Sorrento. Um, it is an adults only uh, resort, and the deal is one thousand nine hundred ninety nine Australian dollars per room for five nights, which is about half price. Oh wow! Sounds really nice. And it's Luxury Escapes uh, who are organising it, and they're they're pretty good tour company, aren't they? Yeah, yeah they are. No, absolutely. So you're going to oh, be that well sounds okay. after. But it sounds yeah. like the way the way they're pitching it is, and then you can go onto the Mild Rover website and you'll see all the details there, and you'll get a link to uh, how you can actually book a holiday there. But you know, it's it sounds like a real kind of indulgence for grown-up travelers, right? So you've got this fabulous big hotel, old-fashioned marble lobbies, grand staircases, all meals and flea, <laughs> free mm. flow drinks all day mm. and nightly entertainment. And that's all, oh, wow. part, of, that's all part of the package. And, nice. And you Beam don't, me over, Scotty. <laughs> and you don't have kids running around screaming their heads off when they don't get exactly what they want whenever <laughs> they want it. Um, so it sounds good. I I'm yeah. actually I if I wasn't sitting here doing this I'd love to be over there doing that. Oh, who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um enjoy the rest of your short stay in Lithgow. It's not Sorrento. I know that. No, and it's very very cold here as well. It's incredible. It? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Mm. Well, you're on the mountains there, so you know yeah. it's got its own weather system. Uh, thanks for taking some time out to talk to us. The Zoom call is about to run out, which is just in time. Um, okay. Thank, thank you, Sue. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you again, probably both in Sydney next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Wrap podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website flatchat.com.au and if you haven't already done so you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Spotify or your favourite podcatcher just search for Flat Chat Rap with a W click on subscribe and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying thanks again 
Talk to you again next week. Hello. Um, hello. I just wanted to say before the hmm, okay. Turn that down a bit. I just wanted to say before